energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. What's up, kings and queens, beautiful people everywhere? It's your girl, C.K. McGee, and I am your host. Hey there, beautiful people. How's everyone doing? I pray that you're all doing as well as you can be. Welcome back for another episode of Village Mentality. I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village, and you're welcome to join me each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'd also like to give a warm welcome and shout out to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. And if you're looking to see what Village Mentality is all about, you're welcome to catch up on all previous episodes on Spotify. Google Podcast, Anchor, Radio Public, and The Awakened Lounge. Now, I also provide links to each episode on both Instagram and Facebook, and I'll share those with you at the end of the show. But thanks again to all of you for joining. Now, please note that the season finale for season five of Village Mentality will be next Wednesday, September 28th at 6 p.m. sharp. I know that parting is such sweet sorrow. But I'll be back with season six before you know it. You know, a, a girl needs a breather, you dig? <laughs> but moving on, as a mental health advocate with lived experience, each week I'll be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health, particularly within BIPOC communities. As an African-American woman, I am extremely concerned about communities of color and their mental health. Now, as far as our mental health is concerned, it really doesn't matter who you are or where you're from because we all can be impacted. And that is important to know and understand. We may not all have mental illness, but we do all have mental health and we need to make sure that we're taking care of it. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the many different ways in which our mental health can be affected, showing that poor mental health outcomes are not always caused by chemical imbalance, but from the various stressors, trauma, or circumstances that we all face from time to time in our lives. Through education and advocacy by individuals like myself who have lived experience, the hope is that we'll be able to show up in more effective ways to support those around us that may be suffering. The stigma of mental illness and conversations about our mental health can be much more difficult for marginalized and intersectional groups, and it interferes with our ability to take care of our mental health as we should. Now, self-care, it is a very important tool that I encourage us all to use in our daily lives, or at least to perhaps set aside some time on the weekends. 
Now, Village, there are so many different ways that we can practice self-care, especially when we view it holistically, okay? We all should consider the benefits because they extend beyond ourselves and they have a positive impact on all those whom we encounter. Now, there are some, <coughs> excuse me, that may believe that self-care is indulgent. Or king, do you think that it's meant only for our queens? And honestly, given the images that are floating around, I can understand that. However, it is not true. Self-care, in fact, is for each and every one of us. And we need to realize that it is also about our own self-preservation, right? If we are to show up for the people in our lives that we care for and care about, Self-care is one of the best ways that we can do that. Self-care helps us to rejuvenate our spirits and our souls so that we can continue to be the fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. And I'll be right here to remind us of that fact each and every week. If you've heard the show before, then you know, I know you know it, there's always going to be plenty of music too. So tonight, Village, I thought that we could listen to some music from one of my favorite artists, Mr. Billy Joel. Yes, I told you, you never know what I'm going to play on this show. So I hope that you'll sit back, relax, and enjoy. Now, without further ado, I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. Our first song this evening, Village, was a 1983 hit written and performed by Billy Joel from his album, The Innocent Man. The song was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts for one week in September. It replaced Maniac by Michael Sembello, you know, from Flashdance. Now, the single, it was certified gold. Here's Tell Her About It by New York native Billy Joel. Away. You know I don't like watching anybody make the same mistakes I made She's a real nice girl and she's always there for you But a nice girl wouldn't tell you what you should do Oh listen boy, I'm sure that you think you got it all under control You don't want somebody telling you the way to stay in someone's soul Guarantee. Guarantee. To ensure yourself you got to pr- 
provide communication constantly When you love someone, you're always insecure And there's only one good way to reassure You wish you were there Tell her about it Every day before you leave Pay her some attention Give her something to believe Cause now and then She'll get to worrying Just because you haven't spoken for so long And though you may not have done anything Will that be Consolation when she's gone Listen boy, it's good information From a man who's made mistakes Just a word or two that she gets from you Could be the difference that it makes She's a trusting soul She's put her trust in you But a girl like that won't tell you what you should do She can kill with a smile, she can wound with her eyes And she can ruin your faith with her casual lies And she only reveals what she wants you to see She hides like a child, but she's always a woman to me She can lead you to love, she can take you or leave you she can ask for the truth, but she'll never believe And she'll take what you give her as long as it's free Yeah, she steals like a thief, but she's always a woman to me Oh, she takes care of herself She can wait if she wants Ahead of her time Oh, and she never gives out And she never gives in She just changes her mind And she'll promise you more than the Garden of Eden And she'll carelessly cut you and laugh while you're bleeding 
But you'll bring out the best and the worst you can be Blame it all on yourself Cause she's always a woman to me From his 1977 album, The Stranger, the song was about a modern-day woman whom Billy had fallen totally in love with, to the extent of falling for her endearing quirks, as well as her flaws. It was on the Billboard 100 in 1978, and it peaked at number 17. Now, Village, this was a love song about his then-wife, Elizabeth Weber who had taken over management of his career and was able to put his financial affairs in order after Joel had signed some bad deals and contracts. She was a tough and savvy negotiator, honey, who could wound with her eyes or steal like a thief, but would never give in. So because of her tough as nails negotiating style, many business adversaries thought she was unfeminine Shocker. But to Joel, she was always a woman. The two would eventually divorce in 1982. Well, Village, you know me. I like to take a little bit of time to talk about some things, whether it be about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. Village September has been designated as National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And talking about suicide can be extremely difficult, but it is something that we all need to learn more about so that we can be aware of what the people who are important to us may be struggling with. One thing that we may not think about as adults are our children and the difficult feelings that they're carrying around and the impact of those feelings. Now, according to healthychildren.org, in 2021, emergency departments across the U.S. 
noted a sharp rise in the 12 to 17 year old age group needing treatment for suicidal thoughts or actions. And in a recent federal survey, more than four in 10 high school students reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless, while one in five said they thought about suicide. Now, grief and isolation and fear, which were, you know, caused by the pandemic, they were possible causes. But what's important to understand is that the pressures that can lead young people to consider suicide, that has been rising for years, okay? And I'm so glad that this is being talked about because we saw a lot of things that were brought to light as, you know, we've been dealing with the pandemic. And... The truth of the matter is they've been going on for years. It didn't just happen as a result of the pandemic. Okay. And I think we're, we're starting to get to a point now where we're becoming a little bit more comfortable in talking about this because we're seeing that it's vital. We do so right. Caring and informed family support can help kids cope with life when it feels overwhelming. Okay. So you feel better prepared to help your child when you know more about the suicide risk factors. And I can't stress enough how, you know, I was raised by the baby boom generation. They believed that children should be seen and not heard. And there were a lot of things that were going on in my life as a kid. And we had no place, we had no voice for what was happening or how we were experiencing it. And oftentimes we as adults, we make this mistake of thinking that children are not impacted by what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives as adults that they bear witness to, or that they don't have their own, you know, individual um, experiences. Like when they go out into the world, whether it's at school or you know, extracurricular activities, sports activities, you know, et cetera. So we have to, you know, get ourselves in a, in a, a frame of mind that recognizes that just because they're like younger than us doesn't mean that they don't feel the same things that we do. They are little people. And um, it's starting to get to the point now where it's, it's very serious when we're talking about suicide and, and our children. So I thought that it was important to maybe talk about some of the risk factors so that you as parents or, you know, um, adults that are working in uh, communities where you interact with children on a regular basis, that you could, you know, sort of be watchful for what some of the signs may be um, or to at least have a better understanding of, you know, um, what young people are thinking about. So if by chance, for instance, Uh, you have a a young person who has had previous suicide attempts, okay? They've already tried to take their life. They face higher risk for suicide, all right? And risks remain high for at least a year after an attempt, all right? So following up is a very crucial step. And there's a study that shows that the stigma and shame people feel after trying to end their lives may drive them to try again. After a suicide attempt, research also suggests that self-harm, you know, doing things as like uh, like cutting, okay, for instance, that, that places kids at a higher risk for suicide in the following year. So again, it's just about being mindful and just 
paying attention, okay? We also have to look at family experiences, kids who uh, live with abuse, violence, and other forms of trauma are also at greater risk of suicide. Separation from loved ones due to death, divorce, deployment, deportation, incarceration, and other factors can cause mental health struggles that may contribute to suicide risk, as can the loss of stable housing, okay? So again, these are things that happen every single day around the world to children too, not just to adults. You have to be mindful of what they're bearing witness to, to what they absorb, and they need to be supported as well. And as children, you know, um, they have a tendency to kind of keep a lot of things to themselves because maybe they don't feel safe to express whatever it is that they are feeling. But the list that I just gave you, you know, death, divorce, deployment, excuse me, deployment, deportation, that's some heavy stuff for adults to deal with. So keep in mind the impact then that that would have on, on children, all right? There are studies that even suggest that kids who are adopted and those who have spent some time in foster care are also highly susceptible um, you know, to uh, suicide being a risk you know, for them you know, because they're constantly exposed to trauma and adversity. And I got to talk to you a little bit just quickly about trauma. I did an episode about it. Go back, listen to it, Village, um, because I think it's underestimated. A lot of people, you know, sort of want to just um, shoo away things that make them feel uncomfortable. But when you're doing that, then you're not, you, you don't have an open awareness of, of how it might affect somebody else. You know, the event itself may not be traumatic to you, but to someone else, it could be. And as I mentioned before, uh, the symptoms of trauma or the impact that trauma can have on an individual is not always instantaneous. Okay. Trauma can occur and you may not begin to recognize symptoms until days, months, years later. Now, years is a lot, right? It's a long period of time. But that speaks to a person who has not processed the trauma, all right? So, you know, I know there's a saying out here in the world, what is it? Um, life is, you know, uh, 10% what happens to you, 90% what you do about it, I believe is the saying. Well, don't put trauma in that basket, okay? It does not belong. Um, we have no right to qualify or quantify anybody's traumatic experiences. And it is something that if we're going to, you know, support someone in their lives, no matter what it is, trauma or not, then you need to meet the person where they are at, not where you think they should be. Because it's not about you, it's about them. And so if you're gonna stand side by side and support someone, then support them unconditionally. All right. When they're dragging their neck, their knuckles through the valley of the shadow of death to the point of them ascending to the mountaintop, you need to be there the whole journey, not just with what feels good to you or what you have patience for or no, because then you're not a supporter. All right. You're like a fair weather fan or something like that. And it's not it's not helpful. All right. So that's just those are just some things to 
consider. Now, moving on, you know, social pressure relating to sexual orientation or gender identity, all right, could also be something. These are young people who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or two-spirit. So oftentimes you might see LGBTQ+, okay? It could, you know, cover a lot of different things. Um, but if you see LGBTQ2S, that's the two-spirit in there. I've seen LGBTQIA, you know, so it's important to understand what the differences are. But these youths are four times more uh, likely to attempt suicide, all right? Now, sexual orientation in and of itself, I just want to make sure that we clear this up. Sexual orientation, gender identity themselves, right, specifically, um, are not what directly is linked to suicide. I just want to make sure to clarify that. But it's what they experience. It's what these young people experience, okay, as a result of identifying in these ways. The discrimination, the hostility, the rejection, that is what can lead to suicidal thoughts and actions, okay? And there is a study that found that when kids experience negative uh, family and social reactions to coming out, that can raise risk of suicide. All right. Racism, racism, you know, racism is always in the building, right? You know this racism, discrimination, related systemic bias. All right. Extremely harmful to mental health, extremely harmful. Again, even if you're an adult. So imagine children who are experiencing it and we're seeing uh, examples of that each and every day. All right. For everybody, you know, who's all about social media, there's always videos everywhere. If you're watching the news from time to time, you will see uh, an example of that. So it, racism has no respect of persons or age or anything like that, all right? So having a history of systemic racism, it limits children's ability to access developmentally and culturally responsive mental health services in communities and schools. So, you know, again, we've talked about this on the show previously, where we talk about, uh, you know, the lack of representation uh, for mental health professionals. We're talking about psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, social workers, uh, people of color, BIPOC, only represent about two to 4%. All right. And then there's a shortage in general of mental health professionals. So there's an issue in both areas, if you will. But when you're talking about, you know, cultural responsiveness or cultural competency, you're talking about an individual that's probably sitting across the way from you who may not look like you, who may not have grown up, you know, having the same experiences as you or, you know, the, the same cultural or tradition or values that you have. However, this person has um, studied or has made a commitment uh, to extend themselves to the training necessary in order to understand, okay, to be more empathetic and compassionate uh, towards individuals that are different from themselves, as opposed to, you know, previously speaking. Uh, mental health now is starting to shift away from the, the way that it used to be seen, you know, through this medical lens, this traditional uh, uh, perspective, 
that only focused on the symptoms a person was experiencing and not the person themselves, right? Back in the day, uh, there were no messages about recovery being possible. But now we're, we're seeing a shift toward person-centered care. And we're also seeing that more and more uh, mental health professionals understand the importance of training uh, for, you know, trauma-informed care as well. More than likely, a lot of people that you come in contact with, adult children, have dealt with some kind of trauma in their lives. And so instead of looking at what we perceive to be bad behavior, which could simply be coping uh, mechanisms that this individual has, has developed to deal with their trauma, instead of asking, what's wrong with you? Okay, what the heck is wrong with you? You have more of a sensitivity and you might want to know what happened to that person. So that's more or less how, you know, um, mental health practices are are shifting these days. There's more strength-based language, okay, that's involved. So all of these things are, are happening uh, when we're talking about cultural competency, uh, cultural in, intelligence, responsiveness, humility, all those things are what's being taken into uh, consideration from that mental health professional, okay? Racism and discrimination, they have led to significant differences in suicide risk and rates based on race and ethnicity. There's a study of uh, Black and Latinx youth that shows that even subtle discrimination, you know, we talked about microaggression. Can I cut your hair? You speak so well. All those things, okay? Um, the angry Black woman, you know, syndrome, all of those things, those are microaggressions. They are linked to suicidal thinking or ideation, as it's otherwise known, all right? Now, as the APA, which is the American Psychological Association, has noted, race-related stress threatens the inner resources people need to cope with everyday life, all right? So the APA offers tools and insights for parents who, along with their kids, need strategies for overcoming the erosive effects of racism. Next is depression. Oh my God, depression. I said it. All right. Now, as as much as depression is highly prevalent across the globe, do you know that more so than depression, people experience anxiety as well? Okay. Just, just throwing that out there for you guys so that you understand. But depression, adolescents who experience depression they are more likely to attempt suicide, okay? Parents may notice depression symptoms such as sadness, irritability, hopelessness, boredom, and a tendency to feel overwhelmed most or all of the time. Now, you might look at those symptoms and be like, what? Okay, so what's, such, what's the big deal? Let me tell you something. When those symptoms go on and on for a long period of time and they become more severe in nature, and then you may be dealing with a child that has major depressive disorder. Yes, um, depression is one of the major, you know, ways that, you know, suicide rates, like when you're thinking about suicide, it's, it's, it's definitely something that you need to be mindful of. In other words, don't sleep on symptoms of depression or mistake them for 
laziness or you know that person just doesn't want to do or you're starting to notice that they withdraw or isolate that they're not you know participating in social events anymore that they don't seem to be outgoing pay attention to all of that sleep disturbances disordered eating all of these things are symptoms i think what i what i'm what i'm trying to say to you village is that Oftentimes, if someone does die by suicide, you'll hear people in their group, around their circle, in their corners, what have you, that will say, you know, I I didn't see the signs or everything seemed to be okay to me. But really, was everything okay when when you think about it? So rather than having to look back on something because, you know, uh, 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 somebody has died by suicide. How about you, you know, open your mind and your awareness to the possibilities of it now. Think about the people in your life. Think about the young people in your life that you encounter and start paying attention, okay? Um, If we're saying that children are our future, well, prove it, all right? That's all, prove it, all right? Because some kids are really good at hiding their feelings or they just don't know how to share them, okay? Again, they might not want to share them if they don't feel safe to, all right? So we as adults, I think we need to to make sure that we are presenting an open door policy that no matter what that young person has to say, that we're going to be open to receiving it, okay? So that they have a safe space to land. Because one in every five adolescents and teens they will face depression at some point and that's according to the american academy of pediatrics okay and it recommends that kids aged 12 and over be screened for depression and suicide risk in yearly health checkups that's deep but guess what when you're thinking about a lot of the um studies around that talk about our youth uh, the target group, the, the the group that they're focused on in terms of, you know, um, the risk for suicide is actually 10 to 24 years old. All right. You know, when you're talking about teenagers, you're talking about between like the ages of 12 and 17. But this is very serious stuff. This is nothing to sneeze at, nothing to sleep on. And it's certainly nothing to dismiss because you, you really don't want to be sorry that you have. You want to be informed, aware open-minded and just conscious of those things that you need to be alcohol and substance use all right substance use is a factor in roughly one in three youth suicides young people may intentionally take large doses of drugs as a way of ending their lives alcohol and drug use can also cause a break from reality or psychotic episodes that cause hallucinations or delusions that too can end to i'm sorry um that too can end up, you know, being uh, uh, an attempt at suicide, right? Or death by suicide, okay? Another factor, easy access to guns. Guns, you, you, you hear across the country, everybody's talking about, you know, gun safety. And everybody wants to talk about the Second Amendment. <laughs> yes, the Second Amendment said the right to bear arms, but they were talking about during war, all right? to protect your home and your property from the militia 
it did not say anything about not having, you know, um, safety gun measures in place so that people don't harm themselves or each other. Firearms are the top cause of death for teens ages 15 to 19 years old who will die by suicide. All right. Even when guns are locked up, the studies still show that teens who live in homes with firearms are more likely to kill themselves than those in homes without guns. All right. These are teenagers whose brains, people, are still developing. All right. And they tend to be more impulsive than we as adults are. So a momentary decision to attempt suicide with a gun often leaves no chance for rescue. So the safest home for children, first and foremost, and teens, um, is one without guns. But if the reality is such that you, you need to have one, then you have to make sure that they're stored safely. They're locked, unloaded. The ammunition is stored separately in a locked location. Okay. Family members should make sure that the child does not know the codes uh, to the locks or the location of the keys. All right. Here's another one. Bullying and cyber bullying. Kids who are bullied and those who bully others face higher risk of suicidal thoughts and actions. All right. And it's true whether bullying happens face to face or online. According to a 2021 study, it found that adolescents who were bullied online were roughly 12 times, did you hear what I said? 12 times more likely to have suicidal thoughts than peers who were not. All right. So that too, parents out there or community leaders that deal with children, that too is is another example of uh, something our children can be dealing with that they may not talk to you about. They might just keep it inside because they're embarrassed, you know, about the experience. So please, please, please just be someone that is approachable, that young people can talk to because you never know what's on their mind or what they're dealing with and they need to be able to reach out to us, right? Now, suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people, again, ages 10 to 24 years old. So families should know the warning signs and be ready to help their children. So Village, know that it's okay to talk about suicide. I know it might be uncomfortable, but we're talking about saving lives, all right? Make sure that your children know it's okay to talk about it too and be there to extend that message to any other children that you may interact with on a regular basis. It is not necessary for you to have to wait to seek professional help before you bring up the subject, especially if you see signs that your child might be considering suicide. Right away, get in touch with your family doctor, you know, so that you can get mental health resources and support, all right? Now, the new three-digit code for the Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 988. But I want to make sure that you all understand that while this number is an easier way to get help, the previous number, the 1-800-273-8255, it still works as well, okay? And you can also um, contact the Crisis Text Line by texting T-A-L-K, TALK, to 741-741 here in the U.S., or in Canada. And you might want to consider telehealth, okay? Because that could be, that might be a good option for your child. Uh, And in fact, they might find it easier to talk with a mental health professional from the comfort of their own homes. 
So again, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, it is open 24-7 from anywhere within the United States. All right. Now, I hope this information will be of help to you, Village. Here's Brighter Days. This next song was the fourth single from his Innocent Man album. This song is paying tribute to one of Billy Joel's musical influences, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. It reached number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on Billboard's adult contemporary chart. The only two instruments in the song are a bass guitar and a snare drum being played with brushes. The video for this song was filmed at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. Here's one of my favorites for the longest time from Billy Joel. Dum, dum, dum. I hope for I 
From his 52nd Street album, this next song reached number two on the U.S. Adult Contemporary Chart. Early the next year, it peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, the background vocals in this song were performed by Peter Cetera, excuse me, Peter Cetera <laughs> and Donnie Dacus from the group Chicago. This was also the theme song for the ABC show Bosom Buddies, which starred Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari, may he rest in peace. But it was re-recorded with a different vocalist. That's probably why you don't recognize Billy Joel's voice. Here's Billy Joel with My Life. And when we come back, I will get into today's topic. <laughs> Somebody else 
Tonight, kings and queens, I would like to talk to you about the importance of self-reflection. Now, the practice of self-reflection is not for the faint of heart. Mm -mm. And if you're able to ask yourself questions and answer them honestly, you might be able to hang. You just might be able to hang. Because the better that we know ourselves and our deepest meanings or intentions, the better we'll be able to understand and help others too. Do you agree with that? Now, Village, you know that before we talk about anything, we need to know what it is we're talking about. So here's a simple definition of self-reflection. Basically, it's taking the time to focus inward, answer important questions about yourself, like who are you? What are your core values? And who do you wanna be? Now, I believe that self-reflection is a way to check in with yourself, especially after traumatic or life-changing events that take place in our lives. It's also something that could be necessary to break any cycles that we may notice in our lives. And for me, it's at that time that I know I needed to understand the why behind what was happening to me in my own life, right? Now, in order to participate in self-reflection, you have to want to get down to the bottom of things. You know, you have to possess a desire to change the direction of your life. Once you notice that it's not going in the direction you'd like for it to. And we have the power to change that. It's just a question of how much you want to. All right. Now, self-reflection can help you to gain a new perspective about the things that are going on around you. It brings clarity. And once you begin, it is not something that you ever really stop doing because once you see things differently, you start to move differently. Things that upset you once before, 
you know, and I mean, like totally just made you angry, they no longer do. But you have an awareness of everything that's happening to you. Your response to it, however, has now changed drastically because you understand that you don't have to give energy to those things that do not speak life to you. The answers that you're looking for may not come overnight, but you are definitely not wasting your time when you reflect on the things that have caused pain or heartache, because eventually you're going to realize that these things had to happen in order for you to grow. And your very evolution was always going to happen. It was just a matter of when. Okay. And that's what I've come to learn in my own personal life. There have been some things, honey, that have happened in my life that have totally uh, just paralyzed me. All right. I think I've mentioned to you before. And if I didn't, I'll say it now. I've experienced what I'd like to call an emotional apocalypse, where there was complete and total destruction and decimation in my life. And trust me, it has taken a very long time. Okay to do exactly what I'm talking to you about, which is why I'm sharing it with you because it does work. The, the, the thing of it is, is that, are you willing to be honest with yourself about things, all right? And a lot of people may not be ready to do it, but I tell you, once you start, you, you never really stop um, being self-reflective about things. And I think that it's a really healthy uh, tool for all of us to use. All right. So beautiful people, let's talk about the benefits of self-reflection, right? Now, according to Mindful Zen, there are nine benefits of self-reflection, right? So number one, it's, it's, it's all about knowing your core values, right? The deeper that you, you know, get into knowing your own self, the more easily you can identify your core personal values. All right. You have to know like what matters to you. That way it's easy to identify the why behind the choices that you make, the, the company that you keep and the things that you want to do in your life. All right. It's also easier to know why something bothers you. You know, those pet peeves, for instance, what is it about it? You know what I'm saying? That, that makes you so upset and whether or not you need to do something about it. Like if it upsets you to the point where you're like having anxiety or you're depressed, you might have to take some action. You know what I mean? So recognizing your core values, under, understanding your purpose and potential is something else, right? When you know your unique potential and purpose, um, it's because you've been reflecting. That's how I've achieved mine. That's how I know what my purpose is. It's, it's through self-reflection, prayer, meditation, any number of things, but definitely through self-reflection, all right? Because like the more conscious you are of your strengths and your weaknesses, the more you can see what you can contribute, all right? And you'll also be able to see what you still need to work on, all right? You're more likely to focus your energy where it'll do the most good. And part of your self-reflection should include questioning the beliefs you've held on to regarding your potential, regarding your identity and your purpose. Remember, beautiful people, whether you realize this or not, CK is going to tell you. <laughs> we were all created for a reason. That reason is purpose. Now, I know we talk about passion and passion is really important too. It's not like passion won't get you out of the bed in the morning or that you can't get a job 
or have a career. That's passion, but passion is more about what you want to do. Whereas purpose, you have to be spiritually connected to understand that, all right? And when you're spiritually connected, then you recognize that purpose, it extends beyond you, all right? And it's not just about what you like. I mean, yes, that that is something that has to do with it. Your, your passion can be in there. Like for instance, I'm passionate about my mental health advocacy, but the purpose is to be stigmatized mental illness. You understand? And then of course, all the ways in which, you know, my path will take me uh, in order to do that. So you have to recognize that there's a huge difference. Purpose is top shelf. Like if you go into a restaurant and they give you like the, different brands of like you know liquor alcohol right but then you 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 might ask for you know the top shelf the the best right there's a whole difference a whole lot of difference between purpose and passion and if you're not spiritually connected i would think that you might go your whole lifetime not understanding that you have a purpose and once you have a sense of purpose it gives you direction clarity uh, your steps are, are guided. Um, the things that you might get caught up in before because it makes you, you know, it makes you, it, it's flattering to you, for instance. You know, every opportunity that knocks at the door, you want to open the door and be like, yay, oh yeah, okay. But with purpose, you know how to be discerning, okay? And you recognize that while it's flattering that everybody might be knocking on your door for some reason, not every opportunity is meant for you to take advantage of either at all or at the time but in time you know those things will be made clear to you so understanding your purpose and potential is really really important all right and there are just some beliefs that we have that we've been holding on to that's not really worth keeping and you're going to learn how to recognize you know when to let go and what to let go of all right how about some big picture thinking all right daily self-reflection it helps you make sense of the world and your place in it when you're aware of what matters most to you you're less likely to get sidetracked by petty details and you're better able to put things into perspective all right um your self-awareness it makes it easier for you to stand outside of yourself and your emotions as well as those of other people now when you can do that honey it is much easier to be fully present without being overwhelmed, all right? So you can basically allow your intuition to guide you to the right vantage point. And from there, you can see things that you've never seen before. It's, it's magic. I'm trying to tell y'all, listen. Next, facing your fears, all right? The more self-aware you are, the more aware you become of what's holding you back, and what may be, you know, stifling or preventing your growth. Recognizing your fears for what they are and seeing what blessings are on the other side of those fears can give you the strength you need to face them, all right? So as you grow in self-awareness, you'll want to face them and your courage will grow as you conquer one after the other. That is so true. It is so true. Fear can be paralyzing, right? But once we see what it's all about, we kind of break it down. And again, remember, this is a process, honey. This does not happen overnight. Don't think that just like that, it happened. No, 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 no. This is work that you have to put in. But you have to recognize that while it might be you know, time consuming or it might take a while, you are worth it, aren't you? 
you're worth it. You're worth asking yourself questions. You're 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 worth getting to know yourself, to understand yourself better. Because if you don't know you, how how do you expect anybody else to, right? To have a relationship like that with yourself can also impact the relationship that you have with others. All right. Now, better decision making also comes with self-reflection, all right? Because you become more aware of that inner voice and all that it's telling you, all right? With that stronger connection, you're going to find it easier to make decisions. That inner voice, it knows things, beautiful people, and it does not waste time on unimportant details. The more self-aware you are, the less distracted you'll likely be by other people's opinions, okay? Let me say that again. The more self-aware you are, the less distracted, honey, you're likely to be by other people's opinions and all that other mental clutter, okay? That means you're going to be thinking more clearly. And clear thinking, it leads to what? Breakthroughs, baby. That's right. And who wouldn't love more of those, okay? Better relationships. The better you know yourself, the better able you are to see connections between you and the people around you, all right? Your emotional intelligence, otherwise known as your EQ, all right? It will grow with your self-awareness, all right? And it'll make it easier to connect with others on a deeper level. You know, like I, I always talk about how we need to see what lies beneath instead of looking at things from a surface level or superficial level, but you know, understand the why behind the reason why somebody behaves the way they do, the way they carry and conduct themselves, why they think the way they do, why they see things the way they do, all of those things, okay? Having a deeper connection. I talked about the emotional blueprint of a person, all right? You know, a lot of times people will relate to formative years. Well, in our formative years, whatever was happening during that time, it has an impact on us. I like to refer to it as our emotional blueprint, because I think that if we want to have a deeper understanding of ourselves and one another, that's what you need to look at, because it'll lay it out right in front of you. Just lay it right out in front of you. And it can show you if you pay attention why you are the way you are. And if you're going to be in relationship with others and you want to have more profound relationships, whether that's with your family, friends, you know, significant others, let's look at everybody's emotional blueprint, all right? So that I'm not looking at you thinking that you're just being difficult and stubborn because you don't want to try this exotic food that I prepared, all right? Maybe in your childhood, you never had a choice and you were forced to eat everything on your plate. And if you didn't eat it all, then it was going to be there for you tomorrow morning. So now as an adult, you want options. And, and if one of those options is to say no, you feel empowered, don't you? That's what I mean by looking at people's emotional blueprint, understanding why a person is acting the way they are, as opposed to just seeing them act that way and becoming frustrated and now we're going to argue and then we're not speaking. And the next thing you know, you don't have a relationship. You heard me? So that's what we need to focus on when we're talking about better relationships, okay? And quite frankly, you're going to get to a point where you become less concerned about what other people think about you. Trust me, I'm there, all right? You'll have a better sense of what the people close to you really need 
because you'll be more aware and respectful of your own needs too, right? Less stress and anxiety. I mean, <laughs> where's the lie, okay? Less stress, stress kills. Of course we wanna do anything to relieve or alleviate stress, right? And anxiety, I've been told y'all, even more so than depression. Anxiety is just as prevalent, if not more so, all right? So anything we can do, lessen those two things, let's do it. I'm here for it, all right? Now, the more self-aware you become, the less likely you are to worry about what could happen, what hasn't happened yet, or what will happen. You know, we talk about mindfulness. Mindfulness says, focus on the present. Stop worrying about the past because we can't change it. I mean, you can reflect on it and you can learn whatever lessons you need to take from it, but to sit there and dwell on it, it's a problem. And I'm gonna tell y'all, that's what I used to do. I used to do that and, and it didn't work out well for me. Trust me when I tell you that. Or we can go to the other end of the spectrum and be completely and totally worried about a future that hasn't come yet. All right, we'll be racking our brain and worrying and sleepless nights. It's not necessary to do that. Focus on what's happening in the here and now. Be present, all right? Now, I'm not saying that if you guys are practicing, you know, self-reflecting, uh, self-reflection, that all of a sudden, all of your anxiety and all of your issues and problems are just going to go away. Because if you think I'm saying that, then that means you weren't listening to what I just said a few minutes ago, okay? I said it's a process. It takes time. It takes work. And it's something that, you know, eventually it's going to come. I'm just sharing with you the reasons behind, you know, um, its importance, you know, in practicing um, the self-reflection. Your thoughts are powerful, all right? And your thoughts, when you're living more consciously, can help you weather the storms, even if you cannot prevent their ever happening. There's going to be difficult times is what we're saying here, all right? But but uh, self-reflection can be a way to help you weather those storms. Better sleep. Once again, better sleep is in the building because quite frankly, without some good sleep, you really can't do much of anything. I know that there are people out there, oh my God, I only get like three hours of sleep and I still do this, that, and the third. Mm -hmm. You're going to keep messing around. You're going to keep messing around. The thing about it is that bedtime is not necessarily the best time for self-examination. All right. And um, you're probably going to have difficulty falling asleep, you know, if you are taking that time. So don't let bedtime be the be the, uh, the time in which you start reflecting. Okay. And more times than not, you probably find that you'll fall asleep faster because you're not worried or anxious, all right? And um, if you want to sleep better, you have to kind of set the stage for it. So you can um, express gratitude, you know, for the day and its blessings. You know, think about all the good things that happened that day and how blessed you are, all right? And then if there are any other concerns, you know, give it to God, all right? Give it to God or whatever, you know, your spiritual being may be, all right? Just turn it over and, and you know, just trust that the less you carry with you to your pillow, the freer your mind will be so that you can get the rest that you so deserve. And last but not least, village, self-acceptance and compassion. Whew. 
Self-acceptance. It's impossible without self-knowledge. And that comes after self-examination or self-reflection. Only when you start reflecting on a daily basis can you recognize the areas that need work and learn to appreciate your unique gifts. Because we all have unique gifts, honey. God-given gifts. We all have them. And it's not just CK. It's you too. So only then can you learn to love, forgive, and accept yourself as you are without needing anyone's permission. Break those chains of needing people's permission, needing their acceptance, caring about their opinions to the extent that you're no longer listening to yourself or to your own voice. It's damaging, all right? So release yourself, release your mind from all of that. And again, remember, it's a process. It takes time, all right? So one of the things that you might want to consider is to set aside a little bit of time, all right, for this practice, because, you know, you don't want to overdo it, right? You don't want to be constantly like self-analyzing yourself, all right? And you want to remember that the goal of self-reflection, it's not to constantly remind yourself of your mistakes. There's a lot of people out there that can do that. (laughs) So why should you join that club, all right? The purpose is to build greater self-awareness and not judgment, all right? Once again, as always, I hope that this helps you guys. Here's to brighter days. She's got a way about her I know that I can't live without her She's got a way of pleasing Mm, I don't know why it is But there doesn't have to be a reason anyway She's got a smile that heals me Mm, I don't know why it is to laugh when she reveals me she's got a way of talking Mm, don't know why it is but it lifts me up when we are walking anywhere she comes to me when I'm feeling down inspires me Without a sound, she touches me And I get turned around She's got a way of showing mm, How I make her feel And I find the strength to keep on going She touches me
She's got a smile that heals me.
That was She's Got Away from his first studio album, Cold Spring Harbor, which was released in 1971. And it's also featured as a single from the 1981 live album, Songs in the Attic. Now it peaked at number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100 in early 1982. And it was followed by Uptown Girl, which peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 for five consecutive weeks. And it was number one in the UK for five weeks also. And it was his only number one hit in that country. All right, kings and queens. So it's time for this week's inspirational story. And the name of the story is called The Black Balloon. The Black Balloon. Here goes. There was a man who made his living selling balloons at a beach. He was the center attraction for small kids who were coming to the beach along with their families to spend quality time. Now he sold balloons of many different colors, red, yellow, pink, blue, orange, violet, and green. He knew how well these colors attracted the children. Whenever business was slow though, he had a wonderful strategy. He would release a balloon and sure enough, a child would be right there tugging at his jacket, wanting a balloon. One day after he released a a balloon, a small boy inquired about his balloons. Now, when asked what color he wanted, The little boy wanted to know if the man released a black balloon. And if he released that black balloon, would it fly also? Moved by the little boy's concern, the man told him that it's not the color of the balloon, but it's what's on the inside that makes it fly, right? Now, Village, what is the moral of the story? It's inner beauty that counts, not the outer. The caste, you know, your social standing in society, the color of your skin, or your religion does not matter in success. People may show off and manipulate their outer presence and behavior, but if they are not positive from the inside, on the inside, they're not going to get very far in life. They're not going to go very high in life. Now, always remember, You are made to fly. We are made to fly. And if you have a positive attitude and optimistic approach towards life, you will definitely achieve your goals and get the success that you're looking for.
how it goes But it's sad and it's sweet And I knew it complete When I wore a younger man's clothes La 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 song tonight Well, we're all in the mood for a melody And you've got us feeling all right Now John at the bar is a friend of mine Gets me my drinks for free And he's quick with a joke Or to light up your smoke But there's some place that he'd rather be He says, Bill, I believe this is killing me As a smile ran away from his face Well, I'm sure that I could be a movie star If I could get out of this place now Paul is a real estate novelist Who never had time for a wife And he's talking with David Who's still in the Navy And probably will be for life
classic hit piano man and this was his first single in north america and it was included on his 1973 album of the same name it's based on his real life experiences as a lounge musician in los angeles which he decided to pursue in an effort to escape his contracted new york city-based record company at the time piano man became one of his live shows uh favorites you know one of the 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 Sorry, the songs that he performs during his concerts, where he actually allows the audience to sing the chorus. And you know that there's no Billy Joel tribute complete without New York State of Mind, honey. I mean, after all, I am a New Yorker. What? So get this, Village. New York State of Mind was actually never released. But it did certainly become a fan favorite and a song that he plays at all of his concerts. But of course, he wouldn't be able to get off the stage if he didn't. Well, kings and queens, it looks like we have come to the end of another show. I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea to do your own research, no matter what the topic is, especially if your life is involved. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. And I'm looking forward to being with you all again next week here in the Village. Remember, season five's season finale will be happening next Wednesday evening, uh, September 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at 
villagementality.ckm, as in Mary, and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch all episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and there's an there's a link that I make available on on Wednesdays to both Instagram and Facebook. And again, it's at villagementality.ckm as in Mary on Instagram, and it's Village Mentality the podcast on Facebook. You can also catch episodes at theawakenlounge.com backslash village hyphen mentality. And just remember that God has got me and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days. So stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. Yeah.